This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Five on Three WFUV's NHL podcast is back Thursday, April 7th. A day nobody in the world is talking about hockey except for us because we got opening day in baseball. We got the Masters. We got Frozen Four tonight. We got a whole lot of things going on. Uh, but we are talking about the National Hockey League. Colin Locker and Samantha Bohr are here with me. Hello. Hi. How, How are we doing? You? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well. Tiger Woods just bogeyed and grimaced. Uh, so grimaced like the McDonald's character? No, yeah. like he like his leg hurts. So I'm a little nervous. But he's the comeback king, though, according he, to this. According. We'll okay. see, but. Not Knock on wood. <laughs> but things are good. Um, so we have a little bit of breaking news to get to. This broke as Colin and I were, were sitting here getting ready for the show. That the Sharks are moving on in their general manager's search. They're not sticking with their interim general manager who has made all of these moves so far after the sickness and therefore... I don't know if Doug Wilson technically retired or not. I, I don't know. It's very confusing. But Joe Will got the job as the interim. They're moving on from him. They're doing an, an external search. So some poor sap is going to have to deal with this cap-friendly sheet. And God bless that person because this team is in complete disaster mode. Uh, it makes no sense to me why you would not go with the guy who just signed Tomas Hurdle to that contract because you're not going to find a candidate who thinks that you've done a good job over the last three years. Absolutely. And from a philosophical point of view, going with the guy who's already worked with the product at hand is always the smarter choice, especially after the hurdle signing. I mean, I thought they were going to ship hurdle off to someplace, so this is pretty surprising in my estimation. They're going to go with someone completely new here? I guess. Oof. I, I mean, I agree. I don't. I, I think that they're making a bit of a silly choice here, but peace, love, and positivity, I guess. Um, yeah, if you have someone who can do that, if you know someone who knows this team, who knows this roster why are you going to move on? I mean, I have this thought usually whenever the interim coach, if they've been doing as good of a job as they can with what they've been handed, if they're not re-signed, I go, what are you going to do? Someone's going to have to come in, get to know this roster. The team's going to have to get comfortable with them all over again, and it's just going to be a whole circus that doesn't need to happen. This this team, Doug Wilson and the powers that be, have done a terrible job at trying to keep this core together because they've done it far too expensively Expen- yeah, expensively yes. yeah. think about how far away 2025-2026 feels from right now oh my god that's four years from now they already have 34.6 million dollars in cap space tied up for 2025 for 2025 good lord that's I mean I get long term in- investments but my god are you gonna regret that like i can't help but think that you're gonna it's it's four years from now you can't right. predict what's gonna eight eight million dollars for logan couture who will be 37 8.1 million for tomas hurdle will be 32 uh 11 and a half for eric carlson who will be 32 35 and mark edward vlasic at his last year of this awful contract seven million dollars he'll be 39 unless they feel the competition in the pacific is not that great to begin with, so keeping the core together at least keeps them in the conversation to bring a cup at some point. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's just one theory as to why you're so willing to enter this sort of a mess. 
They've done a terrible job trying to get goaltending in the door, right. if that's the truth, because yeah. James Reimer isn't getting it done. Aiden Hill needs to be launched into the sun. And the guy <laughs> they got at the trade deadline was Capo Kakinen, who he was really the problem in Minnesota more than Talbot was, yeah, in my estimation. So you're still paying also the buyout uh, for Martin Jones through 2026, 2027. He was a terrible goalie. Like, they haven't done a good job getting goaltending in. That, that's been a problem since the, when they were actually good and well-managed because that's a, probably a reason why they didn't win a Stanley Cup there was because their goaltending was not on par with the other contenders in the National Hockey League. And now they've signed Tomas Hurdle to this contract that, I mean, we mentioned it on the that deadline recap episode, makes no sense at all. It makes no sense why the Sharks would want it, and it makes no sense why Hurdle was cited, too. Like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm sure he likes living in San Jose, and as the old um, adage goes, it's where his stuff is anyways. But, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I feel like there's only 32 of these jobs on planet Earth. Somebody's going to take it. Mm-hmm. But, man, I feel bad for that person. I also feel bad for that person. I mean, I'm not going to say it's Chicago because, I mean. Totally I, different set of circumstances. Totally different circumstances. I just was saying I laugh sometimes whenever these job listings are posted, and I'm just like, some poor son of a gun is going to have to step into that role. And you know what? Godspeed, soldier. Uh, glad it's not me. But Godspeed, soldier. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a lot to manage. I mean, the Sharks are having an interesting season this year. I mean, 29-31-9, they have – uh, they're far out of the playoffs right now, 67 points. So, I don't know. It's tough. God bless whoever takes over that team. I don't have too much else to add besides that. But it'll be interesting to see what that person can do. And if they can turn it around, even though this core is going to be fun to deal with, I suppose. I feel like the Sharks have dealt with a lot this year. Yeah. Evander mm. Kane. Oh, Evander this. Kane. Oh, Ugh, my Lord. I feel even. bad for San Jose fans. Yeah. They went to that one Stanley Cup final, and it hasn't – been a ton of fun since, and they're also seeing, you know, their guys. Joe Pavelski signed a one-year contract extension in Dallas, and Joe Thornton be a fourth-line player, yeah. granted, but be a part of a team who's probably going to go win a Stanley Cup at least, probably represent the Eastern Conference in Florida. So, yeah, tough year for the Sharks, and it's going to end with a general manager's search here uh, over the summer. Because we have Sam here, and they were eliminated from playoff contention, I want to do a little bit of a Devils season roundup. The number one thing that they need, and I've said it all year long, is goaltending. Their goaltending let them down in big spots, and a lot of it wasn't Mackenzie Blackwood because he was hurt again. Yeah. And I think that that in itself is a letdown. Uh, Nico Dawes was not particularly good. John Gillies was not particularly good. But you weren't, you know, these weren't top end prospects on the goaltending ranks. So that's the big negative. The big positive, obviously, is you saw incredible potential out of Hughes and Bratt specifically. I thought Mercer had a very good season as well as a rookie. So overall, I'd say this is about what we expected. I completely agree. I mean, we've been saying it all year that goaltending goaltending is their big problem. I thought that, okay, obviously Blackwood was out. Can't say too much about that. It hurt them. But I don't know if him being in really would have done that much else, to be frank. Because he's not good? Because he's not good. That's exactly why. It's because he's not good. Um, and I'm intrigued to see if he comes back. I mean, everyone's been saying that now that they have Hammond, who, by the way, is theoretically supposed to play tonight against the Canadians, his former team. Hmm. So that'll be fascinating. It'll be his only second game in a Devils uniform. And we know how the last one went. Um, that was the Panthers That game? was the Panthers game that was... 
for all of our listeners at home who might not know what happened there, the Devils were up 6-2 going into the third and then absolutely got decimated by the Panthers, went into overtime and lost 7-6. to So It's even funnier because Toronto did the same exact thing to the same exact team like three days later. Yeah. Well, the Panthers were the Panthers did the exact same thing to Toronto. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Had the same thing happen to them. Oh, to them. I was like, I was like, oh, what? I should, I should have rephrased myself. And it was like same thing. And it's that stat about that was crazy. I was looking at something on the train with this is sorry, this is a complete side note, but I was looking at something on the train with Tyler Mooney when he and I were going to the Devils Islanders game, and there was something that was like the record of teams coming back from a four goal deficit in the third period is like two. 976 and two <laughs> and both of the two wins are the Florida Panthers wow which is a crazy stat but anyways devils yeah okay Mackenzie Blackwood is not that good I don't think he's what they need in the long term I think that Nico Dawes honestly should he be a starter maybe not but could he be in about two years yes he's younger than me he's like a week younger than me which is bananas I think his birthday is like December 12th and you know what for what he is, for he shouldn't be a starter. He should not be a starting goalie at 21 years old in the NHL. He should not be starting. But for having to do that, for being thrown into that position, because Gillies obviously did not do what he was supposed to do, I think he did the best he could with what he could, and he showed some serious promise. Like you said, Jack Hughes, as I call him, superstar Jack Hughes. I like to fit that one in all the time. <laughs> Colin laughs. <laughs> um, Jack Hughes obviously had an incredible season, way better than last year. I agree. I think the standouts for me were exactly that. Hughes, Mercer, and Bratt. I think Jesper Bratt had a heck of a season. I think so did Jack Hughes. Dawson Mercer, I think no one expected him to be as good as he was. And I just love him. He's very sweet. Like, in the press conferences, he's always smiley. I enjoy his energy. And... He has had so much more productivity this year than I think anyone expected, which is what makes him so notable. I'm hoping that next year we see the same thing out of him. Hopefully the Devils can find something that helps their weird goaltending hole that they cannot seem to fill because we see some great promise from them sometimes in these games when they're beating the Avalanche, when they're up 6-2 against the Panthers, when they're beating the Rangers. We see these great moments shine through, like these flashes of brilliance. They just need to find a way to make it consistent. Yeah, and to your point about Nico Dawes, I'm 100% on board with him being the guy in Jersey going forward, even if it's not his time yet. Chris, you're 1,000% right. Mackenzie Blackwood is just not it Mm-mm. at all. Apparently, Brodeur has this blind faith that he's going to turn into the next coming or something like that, but I-, I disagree. I think Nico Dawes is the way to go. He's so young, only 21. The save percentage is not bad, sitting at 890. He's been better for stretches than Gorgiev's been. In New York, that is true. If you, if you would ask me, Gorgiev or Dawes going forward, oh, I'm taking Dawes. Dawes. I'm taking yeah. Dawes. I'm taking Dawes. I, absolutely, because he's 21. Yeah. So the goaltending situation even goes further than this because next year, so let's. I was just looking at your masters. Oh, it's reflecting in the, in, the, in the window there. Yeah. So let's let's think about this cap situation. So Andrew Hammond is a UFA. He's not coming back. John Gillies is a UFA. Maybe mm. he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Next year, you have $4.1 million tied up in Jonathan Bernier, who played, what, like two games this year? If that. And $2.8 million tied up in Mackenzie Blackwood, who has RFA and arbitration rights after next season. So he's he's a devil in terms of control for a long time. Obviously, you can trade him, very manageable cap it, and then Dawes is on the entry level for two more years after this one. So the cap, like... Working with that, it doesn't really lead you to going out there and getting a, making a big splash, but I think you kind of need to because if you can, 
if you can trade Mackenzie Blackwood, somebody else is going to take a run at him. He's only 25 years old. Can you trade Jonathan Bernier? Probably not. No. But how bad is the buyout going to be at $4.1 million for one season? Probably not that bad, if that's the route you want it to go. And if you wanted to throw him in there as the backup and let Nico Dawes play all the games in Binghamton next year, doesn't seem like a bad uh, plan to me. So let's take a look at goalie free agents of 2022 for uh, the NHL, as uh, my computer attempts to pull this up. So Marc-Andre Fleury, not really, not digging that. Too much just because he's older. You don't know what you're going to get out of him in front of a team that with very young defense. I think that Minnesota, the Minnesotas, the Vegases of the world are better for him at this point in his career. But I like Darcy Kemper if he decides to leave Colorado. That's not a bad solution. Thomas Grice wouldn't be terrible. Um, there's not a ton of guys on here. Like Jack Campbell, yeah. probably not going to leave Toronto. So that's kind of out of the question. Um, I don't know. That's pretty much it. There's not a ton. So maybe you keep Bernier because there's just not a ton on here. Me- like, Stay away from Miko Koskinen <laughs> at all at all levels. Yaroslav Lock can be 38. Stay away stay from away. him too. Stay away, yeah. Jonas Corposalos is, mm-hmm. is a major stay away from me as well with an 877 save percentage this year. I don't think – I honestly – I don't know if Kemp's would leave Colorado as well. That's the thing is I'm like I don't know if that's even a question because – they Colorado loves playing the two goalie thing. Like they love doing that. That's what's been so successful for them this whole season is that they're not tying tiring Kemper Rock save him and Frenzos. So I don't know if he'd leave Colorado maybe, yeah. but no, probably I don't not. know if that's an probably option. Not. Do so. they have like a goalie prospect that they like? No, these guys are all pretty young. Probably. Oh, not. Hunter and Hunter Miska is not good. They tried him last year when Frenzos got hurt and that was a disaster. So yeah, they're probably going to keep Kemper as well. So there's not a ton out there. So maybe that that's a reason why you keep Bernier. But it will be a very interesting offseason for them regardless. They did get Hughes signed to that big contract, if you remember, mm-hmm. uh, just at the beginning of the season. Eight years, $8 million. They have Heesher signed through 2027. So that's good. And obviously they have uh, Ducky Hamilton on that long-term deal as well, the seven-year deal that just burning the first one this year. Plus the Subban deal comes off the books. So they got a ton of cap space to work with. Uh, a couple RFAs they have to resign, including Jesper Brat, who was probably their best player this year outside of Jack Hughes, uh, led the team in scoring. So, yeah, just about what we expected. Yeah, I I don't have too much else to add there. Yeah, yep. just about what we expected. Another sad season for the Devils. I think they have after today they have four more home games, which I will be at, and then I will be saying Sayonara for this season, which is sad, but. You know what? They'll rebuild and they'll be fine. Especially now that I mean, Jack Hughes is done for the rest of the season. Not that it really matters because yep. they're not going anywhere, anyways. But doesn't help morale when one of your youngest, like most consistent guys, is gone. And then you have Igor Sharangovich out right now. Yep. You have a lot of people out. That last game just really knocked people out one by one by one. So, what were your thoughts on the Wallstrom hit? I think it was clean. Agreed. The Wallstrom hit was clean. Um, even in the press conference afterwards. Ruff said that he didn't know that it necessitated a fight. He didn't know that it really necessitated someone. St- well, that was with that was PK Subban's fight. Yes, Subban. Yeah, that was Subban's. that was Subban's. I think that the hit was clean. I think that it was just unfortunate the way it happened. I think um, Hughes landed wrong, and that's the way it happened. But I don't. I I don't think I think it was a clean hit. I don't think there's yeah, too much uh, else to say about that. Which is did you see it, Colin? Unfortunate yeah. that it happened the way it did. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a clean hit as well. I think now we're getting uber-sensitive to the hits, especially when, as we're going to get into later, the Zeger situation got as ugly as it did after the fact. I think this is a natural reaction on our part because there's the old school and the new school. 
old school, anything goes. New school, maybe there is a line somewhere, you know? Yep. Yeah, I thought it was a clean hit as well. Just it looked like Walsham was lining him up and Hughes tried to avoid him and missed. He just turned wrong, that's, yeah. It, it, that's all it is. And hopefully he's okay. It sounds like he'll be fine uh, and be ready for next season. Yeah. A guy who is not who should be ready for next season but is out for this year is Sean Monahan. This is a huge loss for Calgary. Huge loss at the center position and obviously a rough timing situation because they could have filled a gap in free agency, not free agency, at the trade deadline. But, you know, I, overall I, I think I still trust Calgary because this is not – this is not Gaudreau, right, who's all of a sudden making a push to be considered for the Hart Trophy, even though Austin Matthews is running away with it. I I still like Calgary a lot. I still trust them more than any of the other Pacific teams. And this is kind of going to be, you know, this is Colorado's to lose, essentially. Yeah, like Yes, Minnesota can goalie their way through Colorado. We mm-hmm. saw it last year with Vegas. But... Man, I think just Colorado is getting all the breaks right now. Minnesota is playing very well, but Colorado seems to be relatively successful against them. Now Monahan is out. So, to me, this should just be, you know, obviously you don't wish for injury, but good news for your guys in Denver. And does this, do you feel like the pressure that this has to be the year? Because I think it does at the end of the day. 100%. I think that I am like so nervous about it as a Denver girl, as all of that. I mean, obviously, you never wish injury on anybody. And it is a shame that Sean Monahan is out because he is good. But like you said, it's not Johnny Gaudreau. It's they still have a very solid goaltender in net. Like Calgary is still a very formidable opponent. And yeah, the prospect of playing them in the playoffs is not exactly something I look forward to because they're a very good team. But Yes, on the Avalanche side, I do think that this is the year. I think that there's so much pressure. I think that we've clinched as of yesterday or two days ago. We've now clinched our spot in the playoffs. We are right now with the President's Trophy. I don't know if we'll end that way, but right now that's the position we're in. I think there's so much pressure for this to be the year because it's theoretically like the perfect roster. There's someone who's great at everything. We have so many superstars on the team. I mean, there's Kale, there's Gabe, there's Devon Taves, there's Val Nachushkin. There's all these people who are so good at what they do. And we don't even have some of them right now. I mean, Nazem Kadri has been out. Gabe Landeskog has been out. And oh, this for the team, rest of the regular season, right? Kadri? Kadri, yes. But theoretically, he'll be back in playoffs. So will Gabe. So. Gabe, I think, skated today. Actually, I think Landy skated today during uh, practice. I mean, at this point, like... Just hold him out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think point. they're going to, but he, he's just he's rehabbing. But they can win without those players, which, as we know, like Nas and Gabe are fantastic. If they can win without them, I mean, what does that say about what they can do with them in these playoffs? I think this is the year, and I think that if they don't win the Cup this year, especially if they don't make it past the second round this year, which has been our curse for the last, like, yep. four – if we don't make it past the second round this year, I think there's going to be an upheaval in Denver. And, like, people love Jared Bednar right now. We'll see if it stays that way at the end. Yeah, Calgary's going to be fine. I mean, losing Monaghan is not great for them, obviously. Anytime you lose one of your key pieces heading into a playoff run, it spells trouble. But I look at this team, the thing that sticks out to me the most is the goaltending. Goaltending is so critical come playoff time. I think about those past Bruins teams. Sam, you're talking about your squad. I've had nightmares about Yaroslav Halak. Yeah who the Devils should stay away from, by the way, having to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the bubble and just absolutely forgetting how to save anything, couldn't save anything against Tampa Bay. Not a great series for him, but I digress. Calgary's just fine. Jacob Markstrom's been Mm -hmm. very good this year, fifth in save percentage, top two 
or top three actually in goals against average, first in shutouts. He's great. He's got yeah, the he's hot outrageous. hand. He is phenomenal he, to watch. If not for Igor, he would probably be my pick for Vesna winner this year. And when you have a hot hand like that, that's scary for mm-hmm. opposing teams. When you have a hot hand like that who has a first line playing in front of him, that is to- unstoppable. That is unstoppable five on five power play the whole nine yards. Yeah, it, they they're going to be difficult to beat in that on that Pacific side of the region. So it's uh, of the Western Conference, the Pacific region of the Western Conference, if you will. So tough break for Sean Monahan, but hopefully for him, his his guys bring home a cup. A team that not bring home the cup is the Philadelphia Flyers. They are bad, very bad, <laughs> very bad actually, <laughs> and. They are back in the news because they let the Ironman streak die of Keith Yandel. Boo. They were at 900, he was at 989 games. If he had played every game through the end of the season, he would have gotten to 1,000 consecutive games. They had signed a defenseman from Western Michigan, whose name is escaping me at the moment, college-free agent, or one of their draft picks. And, but Ronnie like, Attard. Or thank Adderd. you. Adder. Adder. Ronnie, Ronnie Adder. But and it was like, oh, okay, well, they're playing the young kid over him. But it turns out he's the opposite hand of Yandel, so they could have just played together. Ah, oh, man, oh man, I this is a this is a tough look for Philadelphia. At the end of the day, like you can, he was a free agent at the end of the year, so you can make this somebody else's problem by just playing him for twelve games. It doesn't matter; you're out of the race anyways. Um, and the thing about his record and Phil Kessel's record is that they're fake, because Keith Yandel would have gotten not gotten the record if not for Twitter, basically. Because hmm. remember, at the beginning of last season, Florida was like, yeah, we're going to healthy scratch you. Now it's on Twitter before the game, and all of Twitter exploded and didn't let it, basically didn't let him get scratched. Huh. The locker room was not happy about it either, but it got to Twitter. And then Phil Kessel took one shift and flew home. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Well, I can, why do we care about this anymore? Like, I... Whatever. Because it's Philadelphia. It's another example <laughs> of Philly absolutely being terrible when it comes to decision making in so sports. Bad. So great. It was so great too that they did it for Saturday night hockey night in Canada against the Leafs. So funny. So everybody's watching. Everybody oh. in Canada is watching this game. I just I like why? That's the thing is I'm like why? Like the like Yandel, the Ironman streak was maybe like the one positive thing you have going for this club right now. Like it's a Philly sports team, which is already tough. And then you're having a horrible season. And you're gonna take the maybe the one like hugely overall positive thing that your team is known for right now, like your trademark, and you're just gonna say no so that you can have some kid from Western Michigan step in. And here's the thing is the GM was like, Oh, well, we want young people to play, like we're getting to that point in the season. We want young players to get some time. Why? It's not like you're going to the playoffs. It's not like you need to see what they can do before you have them in the off season. So or in the postseason, pardon. But like I just I don't understand and it's it feels like a smack across the face honestly like to cut it 11 games before he hits a thousand that's just sad I don't know I think it's a silly silly little choice I think that there was really no reason to do it and though his record might be fake as you said Chris still it's a thing and now Phil Kessel's gonna hold it and apparently they said Yandel handled it as best as he could and I was like whoa if it were me, I'd be screaming. That and to me means that he didn't handle it well. <laughs> that to me means that he probably went on a little bit of a of a rage and then was like, "Okay," and then just watched from the box. I can't believe Phil Kessel is the new Iron Man in the NHL. Right. Not he's yet. A, Not yet. He's just such a dog. He takes so many shifts off. It's horrible. 
he's, he's not the Iron Man yet. Iron Man. See, this is why I at least liked that it was Yandel because in his prime, Yandel really good defenseman. Never took shit. In his off. prime, Phil Kessel really good at hockey. Yeah, but now see now it's just <laughs> Yandel still hustles. See, that's no, the thing. <laughs> Yandel hustles more than Kessel. Yeah, sure. You but can't... everybody hustles more than Kessel. That's what makes it funny. Kessel's just a dump in artist with the puck. I mean, I... he's also on the worst team in hockey. That is uh, so true. That's fair. In in his prime, if you're gonna do the in his prime argument, in his prime, Phil Kessel rocked. Like, so how Yandel. could you not love Phil Kessel? Yeah, of course, sure. Yeah. I mean, as a Ranger, so I didn't like him, but yeah. But sure, they're not in their prime now. They're now. Exactly. They're who they are now. That's the right. thing about these Iron Man streaks. Like the same thing with Cal Ripken. Like you watch that video, he looks like he's a thousand years old. Like that's <laughs> the thing with Iron Man streaks. Like they're they're these old people <laughs> who probably shouldn't be playing anyways, and they still are because they want some record. And that, you know, good for you. That's fine. But you lost your record at 989, move on with your life. You have the record for the next, like, six weeks. I think if Kessel wasn't breathing down his neck, it wouldn't have been a story, personally. Yeah. It's like, if he had just said it and the next person was 300 games off, it would have been like, oh, okay, well, he said it, and now, you know, he he's it broke, and he's going to hold it forever. He's going to hold, hold it for till the beginning of next season. But It's 11 games. Oh, well, 11. It, to your, they should have just let him play out the season, but it's not that big of a deal, in my opinion. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Trevor Zegris it was back in the news because he did the Michigan around Sonny Milano Which in was one of the sickest things I've ever seen in my life. Literally so cool. <laughs> it's a cool. It was <laughs> so dude, he's cool. so cool. He's so cool. <laughs> I oh love God. him. So cool. We're professional here in five on three. We absolutely are. No, that video. <laughs> Can you not admit if Trevor Zegris is cool? Oh no, he definitely okay. is. He's I'm so on the cool. same page. He's so, so cool. So I got someone has to be the old man though. That's true. Uh, someone has to be John Tortorella's voice. <laughs> John Tortorella's that's, voice. That's that's not true. <laughs> so that made them go up. I think two nothing. So like they're playing against Arizona. Arizona's bad. Arizona's bad. So just do do the Michigan again. Let's have a little fun. <laughs> Win this game five one and go home. That that's the plan for Zegers and Terry and the entire Anaheim Ducks. So they're up five nothing or five one, whatever it is, and. Zegris goes to poke the puck as the goalie's covering it, which happens all the time. It's a quick sport. And Jay Beagle gives him a little shove, which happens all the time because it's a physical sport. Mm-hmm. And Troy Terry comes up and he hugs him. He's like, hey, don't get off my guy. It's like, okay, whatever. whatever. And then Jay Beagle just starts beating the crap out of Troy Terry. I mean, oh, just God. absolutely obliterating him. Don't watch this if, if you get queasy easily because at one point Troy Terry literally goes limp. Like, I don't know if you noticed that. Like, it's it's bad. Like, it's very bad. And he should have gotten the penalties he got and the whole thing. So, in and of itself, if you watch it without sound, right, you look at this, it's like, okay, well, that guy should probably get a penalty. That The guy who got beat up probably should get a penalty, too, because, you know, this whole thing, whatever. And eh, we move on with our lives. Not that big of a deal. The reason we're talking about it almost a week after it happened is because of what Tyson Nash said. Tyson Nash... He played for the Chicago Blackhawks, the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks. Um, oh, he was on that team. Oh, yep. Oh. He was. We know what that means. And he um, he's the now color commentator of the Arizona Coyotes. I think it's important to mention, as my Wi-Fi cuts out, that he had 600 and something penalty minutes in 300 NHL games <laughs> because that that's important to note. He says... On the broadcast, he says, good for Jay Beagle. Okay, it's a weird way to start. Something along the lines of, the young guys don't understand when you skill it up, you're going to get, you're, this is what you're going to get. So there's so many problems with this. By the way, it's 374 NHL games and 673 penalty minutes with 64 points. Goodness. 
So that's the guy we're talking about here in Tyson Nash. So th- I think that's important context, right? This isn't Wayne Gretzky saying this. This is right. essentially Sean Avery. <laughs> so, okay. So there's so many problems with what he says. The first of all is allowing for a guy to beat up a guy who still has his gloves on. Like, it's not a willing participant at the yeah. end of the day. If this is a fight, two guys with their gloves off, even if it is Troy Terry on the other side, a non-traditional fighter, right? You saw it with McKinnon. Like, McKinnon broke his hand. Okay, dude, like, you got in a fight. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what happens. Um, so, that, at the end of the day, if, if, if he's a willing participant, I have much less of a problem with it. The other part of this that's really annoying is that he's under the impression that the reason that Jay Beagle is going ballistic is because Trevor Zegers did the Michigan, which isn't true. No. Because it happened like two hours real time before this. This is at the end of the game. That was at the beginning of the game. He's doing this because he poked at the goalie. So that's a whole other problem. And also insinuating that Troy Terry can't stand up for himself. He probably can if he doesn't get pummeled with his gloves on. Like, who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. This was so frustrating, and then he tries to like explain himself, but he ends up just doubling down on the athletic, and it's like, oh my god, dude, like, get a grip. Like, we all got our knives out for Tortorella saying that the alley-oop pass was bad for hockey, and now we're all just back here again. That was at the beginning of the season, now here we are late season. Just, oh my god, I can't, I can't. Poor Troy Terry, though. I oh mean, my god. I mean, he's, he, his face was like... Right. They, you saw that photo, I'm yeah. sure? Oh, the the story that I heard was that they thought he was he was so seriously injured that the flight out of Arizona was delayed by oh. multiple hours because he was still seeking medical he was still getting medical attention oh after they had gotten off the ice gotten undressed done media gotten out onto the plane he was still getting medical attention it looks like in I mean I'm no doctor but in the photo it literally looks like his eye socket is broken like it looks like they have shattered right. the bones or space I don't know if that's true but like it ended up not being a broken orbital bone but that was the major concern that's what it looked like yeah. oh my gosh I I mean I didn't mean to interrupt you Colin. Yeah, go, go ahead for it, Colin. I'm just wondering though how different would this conversation be if it had happened in football and a color commentator said, if you try and skill it up, you're going to get cracked or something like that? Like, to me, this is bad on multiple levels mm-hmm. for the commentator to even go this way. And I think if if we're taking the view that skill leads to something like this, that is a bad direction for the sport in general. That does not work in any sport. Agreed. I don't care what it is. As far as Terry's concerned... He did not initiate that fight at all, wasn't a willing participant, literally just tried to get him off his boy really quickly there. Mm -hmm. I just, I wonder how this ends up shaping the already polarizing aspects of the game. Mm -hmm. Because there's very much two factions already. Chris, we've spoken about this off the air before, where there's the old school of this type of mentality, where if you skill it up, X, Y, Z, and then there's the new school which you have to go for if you're trying to grow the game, more about scoring, more about making a fancy play every once in a while. It's fun. It's where the game should be. But I can't help but wonder, how does this make sense to an older crowd? Because it doesn't make any sense to us. I'm wondering what the rationale actually is here, though. Yeah, that's a good point. I have no idea. And, like, I mean, we've said, like, fighting is a part of the sport. It's just, it's what it is. It's one of the reasons I love to watch hockey, because it's exciting. You don't see people punching each other in the face in baseball right like it's not the same but there is still like I don't even what is the word I'm looking for I don't know there's still some kind of like morality to it I mean you don't what kind of 
and I'm not trying to assume anything about his character, but like, what kind of person do you have to be? Someone is face down on the ice, not moving to continue to pummel him when it's not like he has his gloves on. He wasn't inciting it. All he was doing was trying to pull someone off. The Ducks are up 5-0. I mean, it's not like this fight in this penalty is really going to put you back in the game anyways. It's just malicious at that point. And it's hard to watch. And I mean, there have been a couple of fights like that recently. I mean, in the Devils game with Braden Schneider hit Boquist and Igor Sharangovich did not like it and went to town, literally like threw Schneider to the ice and just starts pounding him. <laughs> and that one Look, was... That might, been, that might have been what it looked like for the press box on television. Igor got rocked. It, oh no, he did. He, he got rocked. Igor left. Igor oh left with gosh. a bloody face. Igor did leave with a bloody face. <laughs> that was but bad. That was. Oh well, he didn't return after, and he's being evaluated now. Yeah. Um. But like, that was like, all right, you're defending your teammate. Whatever. Pound it. Peace and love. But I don't know. Something about this fight just makes me so incredibly angry because I can't help but sit there and like yell at my TV. Yell, get off of him. Like, what are you doing? Get off of him. He's face down. He's literally limp on the ice. And you're saying something about like old school versus new school. Where do we draw the line? I think it's hard because the old school is like drop the gloves, let's go. New school, obviously, there's a little bit more sensibility around that, especially around injuries, concussions, what where we're kind of looking at those. But I mean, it can. I think that this is going to be a big conversation for the next while. Um, and after, I was just reading the quote. I don't know where it is now. I was just reading about. Um, Trevor Zegers' response to it, he's like, he should be effing punished. That's yep. what he said. It's that was like, a good quote is, by, by Zegers. This is embarrassing. And yeah. I love Trevor Zegers for so many reasons. A, because that goal was sick as heck. He's super cool. And B, because he is so unapologetic both on and off the ice. He's like, this is what I think. He should be punished. That's it. I'm done. And he didn't even say his name. He's like, I'm not going to say his name. I'm not going to give him that credit. But that player that did that should be punished. Yeah. No, agreed. Now, here's where I kind of differ from the bowl, what the both of you just said. So they're playing the Panthers next week, the Ducks are. Mm-hmm. So let's just say Zegers tries this in the Panthers game, just for example, because I can think of a player on the Panthers in Radko Gudis, who's quite a physical defenseman, Very. who, by the way, had a sick hip check. I don't know if you saw that the other day. We flipped somebody over the top of him. It was that awesome. That was so cool. That was awesome. Um, so let's just say he he tries this, and Radko Gudis comes off the near post and lights him up. Mm-hmm. Shoulder to the chest, takes him off his feet, lights him up. No problem. Yeah. Just play defense. That's right. all you got to do. That's all I you got to do to stop the Michigan is play defense. And guys aren't going to be able to pick the puck up off their stick because you're going to be sitting there on the opposite post ready to knock it off their stick or knock them off the ice. Like, if that's your problem, then you need to play better defense. If your problem is poking at the goalie, then this was a way overreaction to what is to what was to what transpired. Another thing that Nash said in his attempt at taking it back was that the that Terry and Zegris were flapping their gums and, and talking trash. Yeah, they're up five nothing. It's a hockey game. It's also a hockey game. Like get over yourself. So this was this was a, a frustrating experience over the weekend because it was just it was the same argument about Tortorella again. Where it's like if you don't like somebody flipping it over the top of the net and knocking it out of the air, then you just don't like sports. Right. So yeah. go away. Like if and Same thing with this. Like, if you think that, like, senselessly pummeling somebody who's already on the ground, go pay $70 to watch MMA over the weekend and stay away from my sport because I'm done with it. Like, this is ridiculous. This guy who scored 30 goals in the National Hockey League this year, it could could have, maybe not anymore because he's hurt, could have gotten to 40. Yeah. 
and we're going to let Jay Beagle, who hasn't been relevant since the President's Cup winning, uh, President's Trophy winning Capitals 15 years ago, we're going to let him dictate the rest of this guy's season? Or, like, are we joking? Like, this is ridiculous. And the fact that, that Beagle doesn't even go to player safety. He didn't get fined. He didn't no. have a hearing. Are that's, you, I'm that's just, not true? No, it is. I, okay. I'm saying no because I'm like, no, like that's frustrating. Okay. That's what I was like, no, it is. You're okay. Right. I was like, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so yes, he yes. doesn't even go to player safety. And I heard a great, I think this was Sean McIndoe from The Athletic. I'm pretty sure that's who this was. I heard say this. A great point. Getting off the bench and joining a brawl isn't murder. But the NHL treats it like it's murder. Right. If you get off the bench, you get suspended for like 10 games. At the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Like you got off the bench, you joined the fight, you get a five-minute penalty. You Theoretically, you just get a five-minute penalty and you're back. But the NHL has said, we do not want any more bench-clearing brawls. So if you get off the ice, you're done for 10 games, whatever it is. I think there's a precedent that it's double-digit games. They couldn't have done the same thing with this. Like, if, if you start punching a guy without gloves on, it's automatically two games. No questions asked. That feels like a reasonable response to this because it's also, like, it's not a player who particularly matters on a team who definitely doesn't matter. So you could send a message without impacting the playoff race. Absolutely. So It's all about being smart in where you choose to make amendments to the rules at hand. I think that's an excellent point where if you are wailing on a guy that still has his gloves on, there should be serious repercussions for that. And that doesn't mean that you can't light a guy up on the ice if you didn't like the way he skilled it up, quote-unquote, before. No one's saying you can't do that, but don't take it to that other place, you know? Yeah. Yep, definitely. I also didn't like the P.K. Subban Oliver Wallstrom fight. That ticked me off, too, and I think it was because I was still heated about this 48 hours later. Mm-hmm. But Wallstrom's coming up the ice, and Subban drops his gloves, and he's 30 feet from him. Subban was ready to fight. He was ready to fight him. And Trot said in the postgame, like, Subban's lucky he got thrown out of the game. Basically saying we were going to send Ross Johnson to go kill him yeah. when he was done with this penalty. So that that I didn't love either, but I think it was also just because I was a little heated because of this situation. And I think otherwise it wouldn't have bothered me. But yeah. And obviously Wallstrom's okay. He's healthy. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter at the end of the day in that realm. But, yeah, that was that was a frustrating experience over the weekend to watch those video, watch that video. If you if you haven't seen it, if you just you Twitter search JB Eagle, I'm sure it'll come right up. Um, it's an interesting one for sure, and yeah, that was a a frustrating one, no doubt. Um, so that's that's pretty much all we got. This is a pretty light week. Frozen Four. Um, go do you go Pios? Yeah, go okay. Pios, baby. I am personally rooting for Minnesota State because mm. I like the fact that it's. Minnesota State against Minnesota, kind of like the David Goliath situation going on there. So I'm rooting for Minnesota State. The, the Terriers are not in this. So. I know, so I'm I'm officially done. You're out. You're, you're not. You're, you're not. not gonna, you're not going to bandwagon any team. You're no. not going to go Wolverines. No, Terriers. Terriers till death, man. Okay, that's fair. Terriers till death. Well, <laughs> it is weird for me to be rooting for Mankato because they did eliminate Notre Dame, but I was rooting harder for Quinnipiac and some whole thing. Anyways, not the point. Um, <laughs> Enjoy the weekend of hockey. The Rangers are playing Pittsburgh tonight, Absolutely. so that should be a good one. And you're going. Uh, they could almost lock up home ice if they in the, if they win this one. They'll be three up with twelve with a uh, ten to play. So it feels like they can pretty much lock it up tonight. Yeah, Rangers are in a very tricky spot points wise and standings wise because if if you're a fan, you don't know if you want to get that top spot in the Metro, keep pushing Carolina, or if you're just kind of content to take that first round against Pittsburgh and get your sea legs in the playoffs, so to speak. I, I think 
that's probably where they're going to end up for my money. I think Carolina will get that top spot, but if they can get home ice, that's huge. The Garden is always nuts come playoff time and expected to be the same way this year. Definitely, and right now, because of your team's recent surge in Boston, we have, we're have we set up for a Carolina-Tampa first-round series, which would Ooh. be very interesting. Although, I mean, again, with the playoff format, it should probably be the Eastern Conference Finals, but yeah. um, obviously Florida has a say in that as well, but that should be good. Uh, no aisles for me till next Tuesday. They're on the road. They're at Carolina, at St. Louis this weekend. Um, Devils? Devils are tonight in New Jersey playing the Canadians, where Andrew Hammond will probably oh, play right, against his old team like I said I am not there um but yeah but they will be playing tonight and then after that they go on like a two-week road trip and they're not back until I think the end of the month so okay for their final four games sounds good so frozen four tonight enjoy that Isles tomorrow Rangers tonight lots of stuff going on uh thank you for joining us have a good weekend for Colin Locker and Sam Bohr I'm Chris Hennessy we will talk to you next week mm-hmm.